do you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 films that you have to see before you die. They pop up every once in a while, but tell the truth. How many have you actually seen? These are movies so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture, you would be forgiven for thinking you had seen them. So why not sit back and listen as each week we break down and review these films. My name is Sam Wraith. My name is Joel Green. And this is 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. Oh, that was slick. That was professional. Good start. I think it's also important to make clear that we haven't seen these films. It's always embarrassing whenever those little Facebook things come up saying, out of these seven, which would you pick as your desert island movie? And we haven't seen any of them. Quite often I'll sort of like click on them and I go, haven't seen that, haven't seen that, haven't seen that. Oh, I might have. No, I haven't seen that. And it's just, it just is a little bit embarrassing. I think it's more embarrassing for you than it is for me, just because you're actually in the film industry. Yeah, um, I should clarify that. I would say that I'm a cinephile, at quotes, but I do work full-time in the film and TV industry. Even went to uni and studied it, but I haven't actually seen any films. I remember sitting you down and uh, forcing you to watch Lord of the Rings, and then I saw you like sort of ten days later and you'd watched it nine more times it was it was a it was a lot like a lot i just yeah well because each time i watched it i watched it for a different reason that makes sense so it's like okay i'm gonna watch it this time just to see the visuals because it was so much going on the first time i watched it and we watched all three in a row you didn't you weren't like okay let's sit down and watch the first one let's sit down you were like no we're gonna sit down we're gonna watch 13 hours, go. <laughs> and it was a special extended editions. You've got to do it properly. Only the extended, special extended editions has Frodo saying, roast chicken to uh, Sam, which... which is my favourite bit of all three films. And we watch films for very different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I'm fussy when it comes to films. I, I relate things and compare things too much to cinematic masterpieces. Our friend group get upset when I compare Book of Boba Fett, which is rubbish, uh, to Shawshank Redemption, which is one of the best films ever made. But I think it's it's still your time that you're spending watching something, and I should be I should be relatively safe here uh, in as we're going through these lists of like a hundred best films ever, really highly rated things. My high opinion should be should be right in the right place for these films. I completely agree. Like these are films that have stuck around for fifty years. Like they're old films, and people are still talking about them now. Like they aren't just blending into the background when they come out. These are like they constantly crop up and crop up. And the names of the list should tell you enough. One hundred and one films you have to see before you die. We may as well crack on. Uh... And get into it. So the first film on the list, of course, is, because we've already watched Shawshank Redemption, is The Godfather. The Godfather. A 1972, air quotes, masterpiece, question mark, close air quotes, by Francis Ford Coppola. So The Godfather, for those of you who haven't seen it, which is probably 
a fair number. Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, listening to this podcast, you've either not seen these films or you have and you're here to hound us. <laughs> and hate our opinion. Uh, so it's a wacky family drama uh, following the main character, Mike, who's trying to not fall into the same shoes as his father as he's slowly forced to take over the, the family business. Yeah, very legit, very legit. And there's lots of offers that you cannot refuse. I'll start with the music. The music was banging. The mu- Oh, I'm glad you said that. Top of my list. This soundtrack slaps. Oh. There was there was scenes where there was like nothing happening and just just like really slow walking or views and stuff and it would have been like slow and boring if it wasn't for the soundtrack absolutely keeping this film alive. I think without the soundtrack and this is the first hot take without the soundtrack it wouldn't be half as good as it is i agree with you but i think i would agree with you for any film i think a film without a good soundtrack is not a good film i will sometimes go and listen to a soundtrack after i've watched a film because it's amazing you dropped me a message just before i started watching it because you watched it a couple of days before me um saying (laughs) Good luck with the first hour. (laughs) (laughs) Bloody hell, that wedding scene was long. It's long, isn't it? But in hindsight, I really liked it. Um, Yeah. I think. Yeah, but do do you watch things in hindsight when you're watching? No, no, you do not. (laughs) Because it was long and slow. It was very long and very slow. But the moment the credits rolled at the end, I I thought I should go back and watch that again yeah there was a lot of stuff in there that i don't think you necessarily pick up the first time and i will say one thing about this film i don't think i looked at my phone yes it was three hours i do not think at any point i looked at my phone to check the time like it was good that's just remembering the names though yeah you're not wrong can you can you name all the brothers oh okay um oh sunny Michael. Yep. Yep. I've got veto, but that's the that's the Godfather. Oh, I can't. I can't. Can you? <laughs> no. Uh, Freddo, the one with the weird shaped head. Freddo. Yep. The little chocolate frog. I thought there was another one. Oh no, maybe it's the daughter's husband. Carlo. You're thinking of Carlo, and I absolutely did not just Google that. <laughs> I am not currently staring at the Wikipedia page for this film. He was a weird character. He didn't really do anything, but... Well, I'll get to that, because I think he did. Oh, yeah, with Sonny. Mm. But it's never proven, is it? So it, it's like... I sat there for the first 45 minutes wondering, where is this going? Completely there's, agree. There's, <laughs> there's, there's not exactly a Thanos uh, threatening to kill everything. There's not a, like a clear end goal. In for the first like first half of the movie, like even two hours in, you don't really understand what the end goal is until Mike gets back from Sicily. Um, but I thought the plot twist at around the like forty-five minute mark of the of Don Vito uh, getting shot—that's what actually like really grabbed me into it. That's when I'd say I really started enjoying it. That is exactly uh, when I went, wait, what? 
I was did, okay. Let's. Did you think he was dead? Oh yeah, I, I thought he should be dead. Hundred percent thought he was dead, and I thought. In fact, I wrote down my note: main character dead? Question mark. I was like, <laughs> because I hundred percent think... going into this film I thought he was the main character. I thought the Godfather, yeah. Don Corleone, Vito, Don Corleone was the main character and he wasn't exactly as well as like we spent so much time with him in the first 45 minutes which like at the end of the film you understand why because you need because the showrunner needs to showrunner Uh, because the director needs to show you the shoes that michael will be filling um so it makes sense at the end of the film uh at the at that 45 minute mark yes it pulled me right in i also my other thought however was oh well we just spent loads of time with him and he's dead that was short okay then fine um however is 45 minutes too long these days to get into a film i don't think you'd see it i think these days yes that is they wouldn't they won't they don't make films like this anymore and they may never make films like this again and they didn't really make films at the time either. Like, there is a lot of sort of behind-the-scenes drama with this film where Francis Ford Coppola was fighting the studio because the studio did not want to make this film for the budget that it had. Like, it's, uh. So it's adapted from a book uh, written by Mario Puzo, or Puzo, P-U-Z-O, um, and Francis Ford Coppola. But it's a he wrote the screenplay. And they really didn't want to make it in its sort of book. They wanted to really reduce the budget and turn it into like a sort of a gangstery film set in, I think, California. Like, it wasn't going to be good. And somehow they managed to get this made. But, like, while they were making it, he was constantly putting heads over the studio. They wanted to fire him. But eventually he managed to bring it in under budget and ahead of schedule, which is madness <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore um no i i think it's uh it is good and that that long like sort of scene saying it was effective once you passed it but i i would imagine that's a hurdle for a lot of people yeah and as i was sitting through those 45 minutes i would have 100 percent agree with you but at the end of the film i was very glad for them like yeah that it's introducing you to pretty much every single character or the main players in the plot sort of the seedy side of the family their little character traits and stuff and it really shows you michael and how he really does not want to be a part of this family and anything it stands for Ooh, i disagree michael at the beginning i of think this mike film, literally says at the start ah oh, that's not me that's that's not me that's not my i'm not like my family but he just says that and i think we're proven throughout that he's a liar i don't think so we are. i think I, there is a I'm character at arc. The start, he's just i don't think there's a character arc i think he was always heading that way i think he was being groomed by his dad to be a politician or a senator but then changed his mind to become 
the new Doc. No, I think there are points in that film. He, we Obviously, we meet him at the beginning of the film. He's got his girlfriend. He's just out of the army. I think they said he's a Marine or something, which is sort of a high... So he's been away from the family for a, for quite a while if he's been in the army. And he's been pulled back for this family wedding. And he, I think he means it. I think he doesn't want to be a part of this family. I think he wants to settle down with his girlfriend that he's met while he's in the army. He's straightened his life out. Obviously, he's joined the army. Why would you join the army if you if you wanted to be a part of this family? All the other members of the family haven't joined it's the army. It's because it's a good route to become a US senator, isn't it? Yeah, but I, yeah, I think, so I think he, he wants the perks of the family without being a part of the family. And I think we see that later, sort of in the midsection. But I think there is a series of things that happen to him throughout the film that push him in the way that he ended. I think, um, I think he jumped at the opportunity, really. Uh, he had a bit of hesitation. Um, I can't... I mean, I don't agree with you about Michael. I really don't. I think there is, like, a defined... I think a lot of things... I mean, we'd have to go through the film scene by scene, and someone <laughs> may have done this. But it's like... Because there's this... When, going back to what we were talking about, when uh, Vito is shot, Michael finds out about his dad dying from a newspaper stand because the family yeah. can't get hold of him because he's true. He's in a different part of the city, or is he over in? Yeah, so he's, in, he's he's in the same city as the family, and yes, it's in sort of the forties, so it is harder to get hold of people. But I think he's been ignoring his family. I think he's been focusing on his girlfriend. He's been yeah, that is fair. It's the life he wants. And then when I think when he picked I wrote it down, when he picked up the phone, they were like, Oh Mikey, where have you been? Like, we can't get a hold of you. Yeah. So I th- I think he's been ignoring his family. I don't think he wants anything a part of it. But his dad being shot, I think brings him back in. It's sort of he's part of the family again. And then obviously he goes to the hospital to see his dad when we find out that he's alive. Uh spoiler. And finds out that the police are corrupt. Like, they've got rid of the guards and the bodyguards, and Vito sat there completely vulnerable, ready for someone to come and pop him off because the police chief has been bribed by the highest member of the other four families to kill his dad. So Mike does actually end up saving his dad, and that's what really starts him. That, starts him I think the, that is the, the moment path. he walks into that hospital... And the moment he sees that the people aren't there, that is when his suspicions start to be raised. And I think we see him switch back to being a family member there. And I think the moment that he's arrested and the police chief slaps him, that is fully when his character flips and he goes, nah, done with this. Let's make these people pay. It is a a dramatic change of heart, though, just to... uh jump straight to shooting the police chief in the head but i I think it's a pride thing isn't it because he he humiliates him in the middle of everyone and he's like i'm the police chief i'm untouchable but he's corrupt and i think michael may know i mean and there are precautions taken he's not blase about this there's a lot of sort of keep your head down drop the gun walk out like 
And they're not scared of the police. They're scared of the other mob families when he goes off to Sicily. Sort of, he's becomes public enemy number one, really. The, uh, the James Bond-esque Q scene where he's getting his gun for his assassination. That made me chuckle. That was funny. And <laughs> it made me go, does that work? Like if you just put, but I guess it would. It's they've, but these are these are established mobsters. This is the mob, the family business. They know how to commit murders. Um, oh, absolutely! It's it's not... just him showing the gun off and having a practice shoot and stuff. It just reminded me of uh, reminded me of Skyfall when he's when Daniel Craig was getting the uh, handgun where it only works for his hand. It's got biometrics and everything. And this is a scene of like equal length where it's just a rubbish revolver wrapped in plastic tape. So then Mike, after he kills the head of police and uh, a heroin guy that we haven't even mentioned, uh, who was there, he was a thing. He was the one who shot uh, Vito, uh, Don Vito. But uh, so Mike sorts them out. That kind of like brings a close to the first section of the film. So like the first section of the film is like meeting the family and uh, Don Vito getting shot. The second part is kind of a two section piece uh, between the chaos and family in the local area uh, and then also Mike going to Sicily. Mike going to Sicily <laughs> was... It was a bit strange. He was he goes to Sicily, falls in love with the first girl he sees. Within ten minutes, he's married to her, and completely and instantly forgotten about his past girlfriend. This brings me into another point I had. Did you know this film takes place over ten years? Absolutely, I did not know. Yes. That. So this film takes place from 1945 to 1955. This is a 10-year spanning wow. film, and it is not good at demonstrating that. And it is something <laughs> I was like, "What?" I agree exactly with what you said about Sicily. I was like, what? But I think he was there for a year or two. I don't. Th I think he was there for a while. He sort of really almost accepted this way of life that he's got when he decides to it's meet literally woman. like scene to scene. <laughs> he goes, ah, oh, she's fit, accidentally tells her dad apologises to her dad, goes to a weird family party where he gives her a necklace. They go for a walk and smile at each other and then they're married. I think a lot of that comes down to pacing, though. I think I think if there had been another 30 minutes in Sicily, this film would not be as good. And I don't know what else you could put in in Sicily. I think he basically speed ran it. I know it's not common at the time. I would have really appreciated a little lower third that was like, two years later, six months later, because yeah. there, I think there was a few points. I think there's a point later on when Michael comes back and someone says, oh, I've not, I've not seen you for two years. And yeah, that I appreciate. It's his ex-girlfriend, isn't it? Yeah. It's his ex-girlfriend. That yeah. I really appreciated because I went, oh, that I think is the only time they've done this in this film. Um, yeah. And it is, it's a little bit, it's hard to follow if that's not there. And I think that's where it come, we come back to that first 45 minutes virtually being nearly one scene. You've got a 45-minute 
scene where 45 minutes takes place. And then you've got 10 minutes where years take place. Yeah. It's, and the pacing is interesting, to say the least. Uh, I mean, it tells the story. Like, I'm not saying this is a massive negative. It, it tells the story. Um, but I really did appreciate that first 45. So let's, let's, I mean, I think we basically skipped it by. Let's sort of rewind a little bit and go back to that. So you've got this family wedding and you meet every every member of the family. And I think it really sort of shows you a little bit about each of them. Like when we first meet Sonny, he, there's a paparazzi I think you could call them, or someone taking photos of everything outside, and he—you see that he's—he's hot-headed. He acts in the moment because he grabs the camera, throws it on the ground, and smashes it. But one part that really made me laugh is when he pulls the money out of his wallet and just throws it on the floor. So, he, like, he's hot-headed. He destroyed the camera because, yeah, obviously, I'm going to pay you for it. Like, you also have the when the police putting tickets on the cars or something. So he just did it straight in front of the police, didn't care, which is, again, just brilliant, brilliant, like, setting the character. And I think that it shows you a lot about the police, like, their relationship with the police as well, which you believe to be on a good sort of, obviously, they pay the police and the police get kickbacks from the families to sort of look the other way. But they are going to, that guy is going to ticket the cars. And he, the mob are absolutely happy with that to happen because they are rich. Like, they're happy to pay that money because they know it's going to go towards the police. Do you know what I mean? Who are going to look the other way sometimes? For instance, when he smashes the camera. Yeah, absolutely. Did you know, by the way, that mm, smashing of the camera was completely improvised? So you see the photographer's real reaction. He's really taken aback by it because he's like, what? I don't know. He just stumbled into... The uh, the common trope of the fact that everybody says, you know, like in Lord of the Rings, you know, when Aragorn kicks that helmet, he actually breaks his toe, <laughs> so he screams real. Everyone loves trivia, and it is <laughs> one of my favourite part of watching films. Is I go, oh, wonder what the trivia is behind this. Oh, did you know? <laughs> you know, I love a behind the scenes documentary. Oh, I got no time for that. Oh yeah, we are very different film watchers. I am. And it's probably why I do now work in the industry. I am obsessed with the behind the scenes. I mean, one of the things I've written down here is, apart from Marlon Brando, cast, question mark, because I sort of forgot that this film was 50 years old, and I forgot that actors were at one point younger. And I (laughs) did not recognise anyone in this film until about the hour mark, when I went, doesn't he look like Al Pacino? That is Al Pacino. Oh, okay, doesn't that look like James... Oh, that is that is James Caan. Oh, doesn't that look like Robert... Oh, that is Robert Duvall. Oh, yeah, sorry, no, I know all this cast. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Very well cast, I should say. Very yeah. well cast. And, and well acted. Especially, I mean, Marlon Brando does steal the show. Absolutely. And I did did take me a little bit of time to warm up to that choice he's making with the mouth i was like what is he sort of mumbling about um to be fair i did have the i did have to have the volume on louder than i'd usually hmm. because he's not he's also not and i think it's a brilliant performance i should say that it's very subtle sort of facial yeah. you don't know what's going on in his head but you can tell 
he is the smartest person in the room and he is analysing body language, everything that's going on. And he's about three steps ahead until we should say he gets a little bit cocky and a little bit... (laughs) Yeah, and goes to buy an apple. Big in his boots. Uh, It's an orange. Ooh. And... Do you uh, did you notice anything in particular about the oranges? <laughs> no, I didn't. You did not. So there is a theory online that says any time you see a character interact with an orange, it's uh, a bad omen. What about tomatoes when he's in the tomato plants? Mm-hmm. So, what did he put in his mouth when he was in the tomato plants? Uh. <laughs> he puts a piece of orange in his mouth <laughs> to scare the kid. Uh, the man who ends up with a horse's head in his bed has a big old orange bowl on his dining room table. Don Corleone goes to buy an orange. And when there is the big meeting of the five families, when they're shortly towards the end, should we say, um, the, all of the centrepieces are covered in oranges. Uh, Although what I will say, completely unintentional. The the props <laughs> department, useless fact. Props department just got a lot of oranges because it made the the scene look a little bit brighter. <laughs> and it just so happens that every time someone's about to die or be in trouble, just a lot of oranges. <laughs> Excellent. But fun fact. Right then, let's get let's get back on track. So. We've talked about Mike and his Sicily adventures. Quick wedding, bride blown up, and then whilst he's basically having a gap year, the rest of his family are dealing with all the five families, trying to kill them, hostile, back and forth, as Don Vito recovers. Which is a surprise to me. I thought he was on death's door. And suddenly he's just he's just coming back, even though he's an older fella. I think that comes from the with the issue we have with how long this film takes to display time. I think he might have been down for a year, maybe, and then he it seems very quickly in the film that he comes back. But I think there's a while there because we see. I mean, I don't know if you noticed it at the beginning when we sort of see the the Corleone household. The main gate is just sort of a, a chain. It's just a, a chain that the security guards. But by the end. They've got full, massive gates. There's a guard house. There's like, they've really upped their security by the time that Don Corleone is back on his feet. Yeah, yeah. Very true, which they need to do because, I mean, this section was quite Game of Thrones-esque. It was brutal. No one was safe. Um, Yeah, and and I've got to say, a lot of the gangsters, and this will link into later on as well, they're not rolling around with enough protection. Oh no, they've got what one or two bodyguards, if that. Yeah. Oh, you would have thought they'd be more careful. I suppose Sonny dies. He does. But Sonny, Sonny did rush out, he so maybe did. that is the justification. And it's because he was rushing out, but then. But that is, uh, of course. Yeah. And then it links back. It's a setup. Know, how did he know? Yes. Yeah. Because they showed us the scene of Carlo. I mean, quite a brutal scene, I should say as well. I was uncomfortable watching that. Um, yeah, it starts with her smashing up the place. When I, I, I was literally, I was just thinking, oh, that's, that looks like quite a fun scene to film. And then it goes really dark. The moment he took that belt uh, off, I went, oh, 
Oh yeah. dear. Because I saw I had sort of forgotten that he was abusive. But there is the scene earlier on with Sonny. Like Sonny sees that she's got a black eye and it goes back to his hot headedness. He finds him on the street and beats the utter hell out of him. He and embarrasses him. And we it that's a brutal scene, but sort of shows Sonny to be hot headed. It really seeds for later on when he rushes out. Well and also it's 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 justifying Carlo's vendetta against Sonny as it well, is. why he would betray him. And Carlo does get his just desserts at the end of the film when we sort of when Michael figures out that he, Sonny's death was a setup. Like Carlo decided to beat up Connie, uh, whip her, so she'd call Sonny, knowing that he would sort of come out and have to go by that toll bridge. So Sonny dying then triggers uh, Don Vito, who's now back on his feet, calling a meeting of the five of the five families, and basically calling it a day, just saying, "Look, let's meet in the middle." He gives up some ground. Uh, there's a bit of discussion. That was an incredibly efficient meeting. Gangsters don't mess around in this film when it comes to meetings. I think they were in and out in like three minutes. Yeah, I think I think it's a, a mutually assured destruction sort of thing. There is a sort of a balance, and it's a balance between these mob families where it's like, we don't want a war because if we go to war, this is going to become an issue. Um, absolutely each have got sort of their own part of of the greater new york area like you've got the sort of the main new york you've got the new jersey family like so when they all come in it was a little bit tense wasn't it and i think the music helped towards that i was really expecting a some sort of brutal red wedding kind of scene during that meeting i thought was like there was just gonna be stabbing and slashing but there wasn't. It was very calm, and it got done. Don Vito actually, throughout, shows a lot of restraint. Often he says, don't kill him, don't kill him, just send them a message, don't do it. And then he does accept the middle ground with the five families, even though he is the, the most powerful out of all of them. Well, um, it all obviously comes down which... to the drugs, doesn't it, at the end of the lake? Vito didn't want anything to do with drugs. He was absolutely happy with his olive oil business. And that's really him saying no to the drugs was sort of, sort of sparked him getting shot because the other families wanted drugs. It was an up and coming sort of, they wanted that money. It's greed, isn't it? It's mm. They wanted more money. They knew drugs were going to be it. But the fact that Don sort of veto didn't want anything to do with it was like well we've got to take him out because there is a scene earlier on when they're sort of discussing um drugs and sonny goes oh no dad it's a good idea do it and veto's like no so the family clock that sonny who is the next in line to inherit this family has been drug positive so when they shoot veto they go sweet he's out of the picture sonny's in charge He's open to the drugs. Bish, bash, bosh. We're happy. He's almost more restrained than his than his sons, really. All his sons are kind of extreme aspects of him. That is a good... I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, Sonny, Sonny's like very hot-headed, sort of very rash thinking, doesn't think ahead, whereas Michael really sort of... 
big picture planner, but almost too cold. Yeah, especially towards the end. Because he comes back ruthless. Well, he's lost his wife, hasn't he? Like, and it's his second brush with death by this point. That's what. That's when you realise what this this whole film's about. And I think it's like at the two hour mark or something, you actually figure out what the film's about, which is Mike taking over from his from his father taking over the family family legacy, and he quite quickly establishes himself as being less all-knowing than his father but really ruthless and on top of things and that I I, I didn't really expect I thought he'd be more moderate than his father but he's absolutely not he's brutal he is absolutely brutal and he, he almost waits for his dad to die before he becomes his true self yeah I think I think that's, his true that's sort of a respect thing though He's not. He, he does not tread on his dad's feet at any point. He True. really respects his dad, and I mean, obviously, I think you're referring, jumping sort of more towards the end. You're referring to like that baptism of fire kind of scene, like while he's washing away his scenes, they are being absolutely rinsed. Like Michael holds a grudge. Michael remembers, and Michael is going to make you pay. The moment his dad dies, naturally, who saw that coming? Um, he he's running the show now. So Mike kills all the other family bosses, all the five family bosses, as they're going to turn on him, thinking he's weaker than his father when he's not. If anything, he's even stronger than his father was. Uh, so Mike kills them all. There's a scene whilst there's a baptism going on, where Mike's men are all all out, all killing the the five families again don't seem to have enough protection for the situation they're in uh, but, but perhaps they they're they're overconfident and when he calls that meeting at the end with with carlo and he's like i know you betrayed us and carlo's like are you going to kill me and he goes no of course i'm not going to kill you but then he does kill him i think you, you really sort of see his last shred of decency go there because I disagree. I disagree. I think his last shred of decency goes after that when when he's really, really established his, his wife, so the ex girlfriend from before who he's now married to, he he asks him about his affairs and he says, Don't ask me about my affairs, don't ask me about my affairs. Fine, I'll let you ask me this once and she says, Well, is it true? Did you kill all those men? Pretty much. Uh and he, he lies to her. And I think that's his last shred of lying to the woman he loves. Yeah, yeah, I think you're hundred percent correct there. I think him, yeah, him lying to the one good thing he's got in his life, sort of tarnishing that reputation. Say the woman he loves, the one good thing he has. He 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 went to Sicily, found a girl, got married. He was going to do that in New York. I think he's more on the, the 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 sociopath line i think he was always a liar and it just shows him being a liar at the end but i think he was always a liar i think he was always that violent i think he was always his father's son i think he shows his true self at the end as a slippery slimy violent man i th- i think he became that though from the, i think the family 
and the course of the movie this 10-year period has turned him into that i think it's a series of like little things that have happened that have just slowly chipped away chipped away at this yeah i mean you could say it was always there underneath but it's just chipped away at him it's chipped away at him he's become more cynical he's gone i can't just relax because i've moved myself to sicily do you know what i mean i'm living this life i've left sort of my old life behind i'm happy here this is where i want to be i've met a woman i've married i'm probably gonna have kids someday with her he's happy like the little scene of them driving around the sort of the courtyard he's happy with her but then tragedy like and i don't know if it's sort of the pacing of the film but i got it was sort of this happens at the same time as sunny dying and it's the moment sunny dies michael is next in line and well and then he takes on that aspect of his father as well and becomes violent like sunny was yeah because they killed his wife it's a i think he's revenge yeah he holds a grudge i think that is michael's real sort of downfall he's yeah he holds a grudge you know what i mean whereas Vito, he's looking at the overall picture he goes if i act now this is going to cause more issues this is going to put a target on my head we need to respect the status quo which the other families do not do when he turns down the drugs they put a hit out on him and, but even then, Vito doesn't sort of rise to it. He's like, yeah, this is, I've messed up here. Sort of the balance is is still there. But Michael is like, nah, not about this balance. I need to, I need revenge here. Absolutely. And he held on to revenge for a long time. Mm. And maybe that, maybe that comes from his time in the army. Do you know what I mean? Like sort of, and war probably did mess him up. Like in knowing that the police are corrupt because he obviously wouldn't really know that because he's not part of the family. Um, the fact that his dad nearly died again, like because of the police's corruption, that chips away a little bit. His wife dying, that chips away. Like his brother dying, he goes, Oh, geez, there's a lot of characters in this. So <laughs> many characters, and we haven't even talked about like side characters that get killed. There was so much backstabbing as well. But there was that amazing scene when sort of Michael gets pulled aside, and he gets told he goes, "Listen, someone's going to pull you aside, and someone's gonna, they're going to say you need to come in for a meeting. Um, but don't worry, I can vouch for you. You're safe. You're safe." And the guy goes, "And that's when you're going to get murdered." Like yeah. that person, be careful. That was Don Vito, wasn't it? Yeah, and it happens exactly as he says it's going to happen. He gets pulled aside of the funeral, and he goes, "Listen, the, the families want to see you. Like, but don't worry, I can protect you." And Michael, I think he goes, "Cool, so you're a traitor." And yeah, yeah, we see him. I mean, we don't surprisingly see him die, but we see him sort of walk out to his car, and he gets pulled aside, and he. So tell Michael it was business. It was always business. I think that's the that's the best bit of the movie for me. Is when Don Vito saying like preparing him to take on the mitle and he talks through exactly what's gonna happen, then it plays out exactly as he says. Mm. I think Brilliant best bit of the movie for Absolutely me. brilliant. I was fully watching it at that point, fully invested. I couldn't tell you the character names now, but at the time, oh I knew him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I thought I thought it was coming to a close at that point. And then, as he's becoming a godfather, he becomes the godfather. Do you know what I mean? He absolutely destroys the other families in a brutal scene. 
Like, and I think I think going back to yours, they don't have enough sort of security. They referenced it early on with Vito. They goes, listen, you've got cocky, you've got too big for your boots. Like, you're too comfortable with your position, and they exploited that. But the other families didn't learn from that, and they themselves were cocky. They themselves sort of didn't have the security, and it, I think Michael was able to exploit that. It was hard to sort of be invested in all of these characters, and I absolutely I think it did its best to try and balance it as much as possible. Um, and I was shocked when Sonny died. Um, I in fact I was shocked when almost every character died because I really didn't see it coming. Um, yeah, it was... absolutely. And I think there was some there was some great character work in there. There's a lot of it because it's three hours long. Um, but there was some good character work in there. It's not one of those films where just things happen. Characters were consistent. They acted themselves. Yeah, there was no... They did have a good movement for Mike throughout the film. And there was no nothing scenes. Like, everything was there for a reason. It was quite tightly sort of edited. And yeah, you might say, like, the, the wedding scene was too long, but I don't think you could have taken anything out of that, really without it impacting the film later on. Um, I mean, look how they massacred my boy. Oh, oh, that hit, that hit deep. I was like, oh, because I've used, I've used that meme in not that context. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. That's going into my vocabulary. That's, that's, yeah. Oh, because at no point, and it's amazing that Even- this film is 50 years old, this was not spoiled for me in any way. I no, I had not a clue what was going to happen. Wow, that's amazing. So, Godfather two, Godfather three. Oh. You're going to be giving them a watch. I think I am invested in this film franchise now. I want to see what happens next. I don't know what. Yeah, I have no idea what could happen next. Is it is it going to be Mike's children, or I think it's more likely that it's going to stay with stay with Mike at his age, and it's going to be taking on Vegas. Well, he's got no competition, has he? In New York, he is all the, the five. Boss. Yeah, the five families have been wiped out, and they do prefer gambling, which is more in Vegas. So I think that's that's what the Godfather Two is about: him moving to Vegas, new competition springing up, change of scenery. Oh yeah, and he had a brother called Freddo who had a weird shaped head. Oh, and very odd. That was about it. Weird character. <laughs> could have could have not been in this yeah. film. I feel. Are we scoring out of ten? I think let's score these out of ten. What would you give it? It was good, wasn't it? I would. This was a good film. It was a good film. It was a good film. I would say I enjoyed it. I would say it did not make me laugh. Did not make me cry. It made me tense. So I'd say it's closer to a, a thriller, a drama. Thriller drama. Especially the, like, the hospital scene, you're like tense. But apart from that, it didn't actually give me any particular strong emotions other than, oh, this is cool. I think the limit I can give something that didn't make me, give me a really strong emotion is an 8. So I, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Ooh, 7.5. I th- I think I was going to give it an eight, and I Oof. yeah, I am happy. Yeah, I think it was. Yes, it wasn't funny, but I think if it was funny, it would have ruined it. 
Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm just saying more. I'm not that it was like it has to be funny. I just think it didn't. It didn't give me any strong emotions at any time. All right, I think it's a good place to call it. Uh, thank you for listening and have a good day. Have a good day. That's <laughs> awful. <laughs> have a good day. That's your sign off. <laughs> have, a, ooh, have a good day. Uh, I didn't think about it. Right, cut there. Is that how you're actually ending it? Have a, <laughs> yeah. have a good day. <laughs> oh my God. No, no, that is not, no. Thank you so much for watching this episode of 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. If you could give us a like and a follow on whatever podcasting platform it is that you are listening on, you can follow us on Instagram at 1001moviesnotseenpod. Uh, and if you want to get into contact with us, you can email us at 1001moviesnotseen at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week for episode two. God, I hope this is a wonderful <laughs>